So um, I think we need to work together as all, all people, all different people, Caucasian, uh, African-American, Black, Asian-American, Latinx, and all these people work together. Otherwise, it's, just, it's not going to work. Welcome to On Our Feet, Healing Walks and Talks for Racial Justice. This is a ministry of Trinity United Methodist Church, a joyful community of faith in Germantown, Maryland. The purpose of this podcast is to create space, space for us to share stories and ideas around racial equity, space for us to brainstorm ways to walk for peace and act for justice, and space for us to heal. We invite you to listen and pray while you walk, whether it's through the woods, around the kitchen, or tracing a prayer labyrinth with your finger. Welcome to this space. Come walk with us. The journey is long. Dear God, who respects us all, we are grateful that you created each and every one of us uniquely. You are a God who not only accepts but embraces all of our differences, for we were created in your image. Teach others who cannot see past our differences that we were all created equally. Guide those with hatred in their hearts down a better path, a path where they can be more loving and accepting of others. Lift up those who have been mocked and shunned for their background and bless them with new opportunities and love. In Jesus' name, amen. My name is Isatu and I'm your host. I'm a senior at Northwest High School and I'm also a social justice intern here at Trinity. The theme for the month is Racism 101. Racism is a very current topic we are dealing with as a country right now and we're introducing this theme to help people understand what it is and ways we can learn to combat it. This week, we interviewed ordained elder J.W. Park. He discusses the lack of diversity in church positions and how immigrants are viewed in this country. So um, if you don't mind just starting just for a part audience. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is J.W. Park and I'm an ordained uh, elder, a clergy person in the United Methodist Church. And um, um, naturally I was born in Seoul, Korea, South Korea. And then I came here to the United States when I was 23 and I was going to finish my Master of, uh, Master of Business Administration. Somehow God called me and I changed my major into theology and then I was ordained as a clergy person and I think I'm in my 29th year of my ministry and uh, I'm my work for now is district superintendent of Central Maryland District in Baltimore Washington Conference and uh, uh, this is my last year actually oh, as wow. a DA. So I'll be coming off from the cabinet, maxing out eight years of a max, max term. Wow. So uh, it is quite a privilege. And uh, of course, I'm an immigrant and I'm a U.S. citizen. And uh, um, that's about it. I'm a middle-aged Asian-American man. <laughs> so that's who I am. <laughs> and I'm married. I have a, a wife and a daughter and my son-in-law, and my dog named Mandu. 
Oh. As a dumpling in Korean. Dumpling yeah. in Korean, yeah. And uh, uh, so that's that's who I am. Um, so my next question for you, um, just we're just jumping in here. Do you mm. remember the first time that you have experienced racism firsthand? Okay. Uh, I guess that it was in the department store. Mm. And I was, um, there was a cashier and there was no line per se. So people just gathered in front of the cashier. And then I was there earlier and then cashier lady kept inviting Caucasian person as if uh, she doesn't see me. And then I, at the time I felt uh, racism because uh, I thought that she would know who came first. And I, I, I believe that she knew, uh, she, I don't know, is purposefully or uh, anyway, she didn't really invite me to come. And then later uh, I realized that she, she's not gonna call me to serve, but usually they, may I help you? And then she kept doing it to the Caucasian person. So I uh, spoke up and hi, I was here first, early at first. And then she's, oh, I'm sorry. But I don't think that her apology wasn't that really genuine. Mm-hmm. And then that's the uh, first experience I remember that uh, there was racism right. in our community, yes. Yeah, my parents, I think, like, I mean, this is unfortunately not a not a brand new story for any person of color, really. You know, I'm sure mm-hmm. my, because I'm also Korean American and my parents, I'm sure, have like a lot of similar stories. And that's, a, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's, it's rough. Um, my next question is, in what ways has your racial and ethnic background shaped your current values, habits, practices, ways of worship, and personal priorities? Okay. So being a uh, Korean-American, I was not born here. Uh, I immigrated into U.S. So my perspective is quite different from those who were born in here and spent their ch- childhood here. So um, I'm actually, I would call it a dual culture. I bet that you are also. Um, However, coming from different culture and living in here by my choice, and that puts me in a interesting situation. And while I keep my native uh, culture, and then I learn the culture in the uh, States. And also you, you cannot generalize the culture in the state in a one, uh, one culture. There's a very multicultural, even within the same ethnic group. So the culture in the North is quite different from South. And uh, culture in the Eastern Shore, East is different from Midwest or West. So uh, there is no way of, uh, I can generalize anything, but at least I can speak from my own perspective. I see myself as a sort of a mixed. Sometimes I don't even know what is coming from Korean culture background, what is coming from uh, American, so to speak, U.S. culture, and it's all jumbled together. It's my personal thing and uh, had to do with my personality. However, my value is uh, sort of a, um, what's the term, that created or um, molded in a Mm -hmm. uh, double bicultural uh, 
situation. So I'm completely bilingual. And when I say that, I'm not that great in Korean. I'm not, great, I'm not that great in English either. So as time goes by, my language, school, language skills is getting worse and worse. But, <laughs> I, me too. Um, well, yeah, you, you have English as, as a first language. You're pretty good in Korean too. <laughs> and then um, compared to other immigrants, I can speak for Korean. Among first-generation immigrants, Koreans, because of my vocation, I have a more opportunity to work with non-Korean um, culture, non-Korean American here. So in a way, I adapted myself quicker than other uh, yeah. first-generation Korean immigrants. And then uh, being a pastor, you really need to know your parishioner and their life and their culture mm -hmm. and all this thing. So I, that's a privilege that I get to know uh, quicker and deeper because if I work in, let's say, in a Korean community alone, then I would have a whole lot less opportunity to know a non-Korean culture that includes uh, Caucasian, uh, African-American, and Latinx culture. So that is a privilege. And my practice working with those uh, non-Korean people using English, that, uh, that forces me and that helped me understand uh, non-Korean culture in the United States quicker mm -hmm. and better. Uh, on, on the other side of that is I may not uh, feel that comfortable with the other fellow Korean, first generation Korean, because uh, they are rather very Korean in their uh, way of thinking and their values and all this thing. So as time goes by, I feel I'm neither Korean nor American. I'm in between, something in between. So that's who I am. And uh, especially as a, uh, as a believers, my faith formation is double. I, I was a, a believer back in Korea. And uh, when I came here, I experienced in different aspects of worshiping and the spiritual disciplines and things like that. However, as I become a ordained clergy, and that shaped a lot different compared to other Korean especially in theology, my theology I would call is rather very progressive compared to other Korean uh, Christians. And um, that at the same time also helped me to uh, adjust into or settle into the, um, the life in the United States. Um, and then my personal priority, I see myself as a bridge because I'm neither Korean nor American completely. I'm something in between. I see myself as a playing a bridge role between two communities. And that's what I've been doing uh, in, in, through my ministry. Even though I am not serving Korean congregation, but whenever I have a chance and I'm uh, using that opportunity, so I can do some more good to the people. Yeah. I'll stop right here. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, next question. Uh, was mm -hmm. there 
a moment in the church where you have seen racism in action? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, quite often. So I serve the church that a majority of the Caucasian and uh, person of color that include black American and African who came to uh, US as well as um, other race, ethnic groups like uh, Asians and um, Latino, Latinx uh, community. When there is a predominant Caucasian congregation, I see racism played by uh, the majority group in a difference in culture. So for example, there are family come to the worship service always late. They are, happen to be African who immigrate to the United States. And when they came in, the people gave them sort of a look around and gave look of dissatisfaction and sort of a, why can't you be on time? Because the culture is different. The, as I know of, most of African culture is more of a whenever, that I can come whenever I need to, whenever I can. And they don't have to be at the church 11 o'clock sharp or even 15 minutes prior to the worship service start. So I don't, I'm not generalizing the culture, but as I know of, maybe Caucasian culture is if the worship service starts from 11, you better be there maybe 15 minutes prior to the worship time and then get ready. And uh, however, anybody comes later and interrupting a worship service they are viewed upon uh, as a uh, not as good as they are. And also another way of it playing it is uh, in terms of uh, selecting leaders in the church. Mm. Oftentimes in the leadership uh, role, I don't see many personal callers or they are not invited to have an opportunity to lead as a, a leaders in the church. Especially, let me just put it very bluntly, in the committee that handles money, I do not see many personal callers. Mm. And um, I don't know what's the reason, but it's just simply that's my observation. And I need to emphasize it is my observation. I'm not saying it is true or, or anything, but I'm just sharing my observation and my experience. Okay. So I see how the racism or prejudice played out in the local church setting is that way. Right. And uh, also a lot of time worship style, it came out as a worship style. When there is a minority group, let's say African-American, they would like to put more, um, more spiritual aspect of the worship like a art call or singing in different songs and all these things. And then um, it is not well received in the congregation, in the predominantly Caucasian church. Right. And also selection of music. Uh, some of the, the music is sung or played during the worship service and it's quite different. And it comes out that way and uh, of as of my work as a district superintendent, I see racism played out in, in the appointment system. Mm -hmm. In other words, which pastor goes which church? And I see there is a 
through my own experience, I see there are not many personal color going to appointed as a pastor, either bigger church or better church. Mm-hmm. A lot of personal color pastors are serving a minimum smaller churches. And I see uh, that's how the racism in our system plays out. Right. And uh, you can defend that. I mean, there are people who defend that, but I'm not trying to argue, but I'm simply just sharing my uh, observation. And yeah. also it is quite true because when you see the statistics in terms of the, the size of the church, between the Caucasian pastors and personal color, pastor in color are different. And also salary level, compensation level, a lot of personal color, the pastor in color receive a whole lot less than their counterpart. I think it's true too about gender. There's a gender disparity. Um, the male pastor gets paid more than female pastor. Right. And that's the ill side in our society as of now. Right. So it's um, there's a lot of uh, um, intersectionality mm-hmm. and um, just the way that uh, the, these discriminations play out. Yeah. And also, and another aspect of that is not is not necessarily a race or ethnic matter, but it's about uh, language matter. Right. Here in the States, whoever do not speak English as first language, they are not treated fairly. Right. And that I can experience it the first hand because I speak English as second language. And oftentimes, whenever I start talking, whenever I open my mouth, oh, this person have an accent. And um, I oftentimes felt Whenever I say something, my opinion or my sharing is not really valued. Right. And there is occasion person say the exact same thing. And then everybody in the room goes, wow, that's a good idea. Yeah. I experience those things. Yes. I guess that our uh, mentality, if whoever speaks English in a- accent, they try not to understand. So rather they, their ears are sort of shot. And not willing to listen unless they are really uh, intentional. And um, so that is another form of discrimination or racism. Yeah. And also another way that I experience racism is the idea of America, United States as a melting pot versus Mm -hmm. salad bowl. So those who think America is a melting pot is, hey, this is a mainline uh, culture, mainline America. Everybody should assimilate into that. Everybody should speak English perfect. Everybody should assimilate into the American culture. And uh, that's their baseline to start. And whoever is not up to that, um, they treat those people as an... uh, less citizen right however if we really value all the differences either ethnic background color of skin whether your english is your second first language or not and all these things whether you're a man or woman whether you are uh whatever your differences 
then we all make one salad bowl with all different kinds. We are living together, but we don't have to melt together. So that's the idea. However, I see a lot of people starting from uh, melting pot idea and minimize the difference. But some there I see a lot of people saying, hey, I don't see the color. I see the person inside. Yes, I understand. But how can you not see the color? Right. And then they are saying uh, black lives matter. But all lives matter. Of course, all lives matter. But because black lives matter is uh, important because right. black people are targeted for yes. mistreatment and injustice. And uh, but whenever I see, I understand they are coming from, they mean good. Yeah. They mean well, but somehow there is a lack of understanding and why it is said that way. And then in some other case, I see there is a blunt attempt to minimize, try to minimize all those things. But hey, we're all okay. As long as you don't really behave uh, differently, you guys all, all can get along well. So whatever people say those things, I stop and think, what is that person really thinking inside? So uh, that's another way I see the racism expressed. Are there any biblical passages or spiritual themes that you believe are particularly relevant for these conversations on race? Mm -hmm. So um, in Old Testament time, I think we can take a scripture talking about um, the foreigners and uh, those who are marginalized. Although those people are on the margin, like foreigners, outcast, widow, orphan, um, those who are sick. So in the ancient Judaic thought, if you are not well, either physically, mentally, in whatever sense, you are, you fell from the God's grace, right? So if, you're, if your body is not perfect, then that means that you've been, you're not blessed. Or if you are really uh, downtrodden, then you must have done something wrong. Of course, there are some self-inflicted misfortune, but if you're born with a disability, or if you are born in the outside of Israel and came in, then uh, that is such a, uh, disadvantage. And um, however, Bible clearly talks about treat foreigners well and take care of widows and orphans and those who are weak and poor. Um, those are the passage that um, I see there is a, a God's providence on racism or um, the equality, taking care of others. And um, in the New Testament era, of course, Jesus himself said um, many, many times that about the foreigners, immigrants, um, those who are in the people in the, in the margin. And Jesus said, if uh, your neighbor is hungry, feed them. If anybody naked, you share your coat and things like that. Um, so those are the things. And another thing is uh, Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is a Jewish Roman 
so he is a Jew. However, he has a Roman citizen and he, is a, uh, he has a standing in the society. However, he chose to help fellow Jews and foreigners. And he mentioned, uh, the, I picture Roman, um, but there is no Jew or uh, foreigner. Um, there is no women and uh, men. There is no master and slave. It's everybody in, this, uh, in the equal term in Christ Jesus. So that kind, I'm paraphrasing it, but that kind of thoughts and understanding talks about our racism. And um, I'm not saying that everybody has to be in an equal state, but at least we could treat each other as a, a full human being and uh, start from the level ground. However, in the society, there are a lot of unlevel ground, and that's where the issue comes from. I mean, if everybody starts from the same place, same line, and whoever, anybody works harder, anybody has a better ability, I have no issue with people going advanced. But um, those people who are generation after generation mistreated in such a unfair ground, and that is where uh, our heartbreak comes and our, uh, the illness in the, our system. So, yeah, that's what I'd, what I'd like to share. Yes. Thank you. Um, is there a time you've seen healing in the church in regards to racism? Of course. The hope lies there. I mean, uh, people who call themselves the followers of Jesus Christ, they try their best uh, practice but Jesus commanded us. So while there are many instances of racism, prejudices, or mistreatment, and all these things, and also fear, I think a lot of people uh, operate based upon the fear, but there is no need to uh, fear. However, in the church, people really study and meditate on the God's words and realize what they need to do. In other words, put their faith in action. And I see many cases like that. And some churches not only doing that within the congregation, but uh, they goes up, go out and do in a bigger scale or bigger community. And for good example, there are several churches in our district and in our conference, and there are many people who went the march or demonstration and the last couple of months, um, there was a series of mistreatment on African-American. And uh, the people said, that's enough. Enough is enough. We cannot stand, uh, keep happening. So we got to do something about that. And they went out and showed and voiced their opinion. And we showed our displeasure, and how uh, things are unfolding. And we showed our support and solidarity and those who are um, victimized. And uh, I'm not putting law enforcement or those who are willing to help, uh, but I'm only talking about those who deliberately harming others based upon the skin color or their ethnic background. Um, so, Many people, many Caucasian people take it uh, personally. 
very much. And then I said, hey, I mean, are we all just sinner and bad people because our skin color is white? I'm not saying that. Right. Uh, I understand uh, there are plenty of wonderful people, but there are a few who are sort of uh, mudding the water. And I'm talking about those people. So um, I think we need to work together as all, all people, all different people, Caucasian, uh, African-American, Black, Asian-American, Latinx, and all these people work together. Otherwise, it's, just, it's not going to work. Right. I'm seriously have a trouble with people calling all the white people racist. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can you generalize? Because there are a whole lot more good people. But what we see is on the news or mass media, uh, only depicting those bad cases and uh, multiply as it is uh, representing the whole group. So while I understand that, but I, I also understand that it has to be joint work. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Right. And I don't like to see some people putting this in a dynamic as a we versus them. And they put uh, each other at odd. And that's a tactic they like to use. And I think that we need to be aware of that and be very careful not fall into that mistake. Um, it reminds me of the um, expression that's been going around about the few bad apples. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's just, it's not a whole problem. It's a, it's just a few bad apples, they say. But, you know, the rest of that expression is a few ap- bad apples ruins the whole bunch. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, um, yeah, I agree that it's not fair to, you know, categorize, you know, an entire group of people with one broad stroke. However, you do need to deal with those few bad apples and, um, you know, and one way to do that is to address all of these systemic issues that are that are happening to um, exactly. you know, our brothers and sisters who are people of color. So. Exactly. And also, um, not always the person of color do not have to speak always. Right. It'd be a whole lot better if our fellow Caucasian brother and sister uh, speak out. And the same way, and if there is any person of color demonizing Caucasian group or community, then it should be us, the person of color, saying, hey, that's not true. I mean, you are uh, painting the whole group with one brush. That's not right. So I think that both, we have to come from both ends and then meeting on the middle. And I think that the world would be a whole lot better place. And um, we have a long way to go, but at the same time, we have come a long way. So I'm hopeful for that. All right. All right, last question. Um, What are some of your hopes and expectations regarding the church's direction in these conversations on race? So that's a dilemma. And I think there are some people think whenever church speaks this social ill, and they put church, blame church as, hey, you are being political. You are supposed to preach the good news. Yeah. Stick to Bible. <laughs> of course, we are doing it. How many times Bible and Jesus talks about prejudices or ill treatment on fellow human being? And how many times Jesus talks about money? 
How many times Jesus talks about poor and rich? Um, all this thing, it is very biblical. Jesus those was who, political. Yeah. Those <laughs> who only blame uh, these social issues as a political, they did not read the Bible correct. Go back home and read the Bible. A lot of stuff talks about this human condition and human frailty. I mean, uh, the, all the illness in our society, Bible depicts it. Of course, some of the new stuff are not in, in the Bible because in the biblical time, it was not there. But we can guess what would Jesus answer, what the Bible talks about. And um, so what I'm trying to do is when we are faithful to our faith, and biblical teaching, we cannot help but to deal with the social issue. Um, some people say, hey, Bible never talks about ecological uh, issue. Oh no, yes they did. In the creation story, what did God ask her to do? God did not say, hey, invade everything and destroy everything and eat up. That's not what I, uh, the God said. God said, be a good stewards and take care of the whole creation. And as a human being, you can multiply and you can flourish and enjoy all these good things, not by destroying, but by taking good care of. So that's the thing. And likewise, everything, um, all the social ills in our society, that needs to be corrected, that needs to be changed. And in that way, I think we are being faithful to God's command and we are very, we are becoming a co-stewards in God's creation. Uh, I bet that a lot of people talks about pollutions and uh, the climate changes and uh, global warming and all those things. That's our ecological concern, but what is our human concern? Racism is one of those, right? And uh, also, if you go a little bit uh, further, the issue with the LGBTQI, or issue with those people with a disability, how many, how much the mistreatment that those people would get, it's just beyond our imagination. And because of it's not on the surface, they are continue to be suffer, and I think that those are the things. And however, especially for racism, um, we got the work cut out for the church, and uh, we need to be, I would say, prophetic and uh, leading as a leaders because church should not accommodating society first. We need to be faithful to God's words, and we need to be a uh, trailblazer. We need to be a leader in the society. So church can send, show, and talk about prophetic words. In that way, people in the community and society listen to the uh, church. Unfortunately, there are many churches only talk about well, we only stick to what the Bible say, and we're not going to talk about what's happening in the society. And we're not going to talk about what's wrong with the society, but we're going to just talk about you being faithful to God 
and then you'll be blessed. You'll have a wonderful, gorgeous looking wife or a billionaire husband and your kid will be all happy and grow well and you'll enjoy your life. That's just such a small aspect and very narrow perspective. But um, our life is a whole lot more than that. And um, there are good people suffer. Nobody knows why. There are good, bad people. Looks like they enjoy their life. So on how unfair the life is. But regardless, we as a people called to follow Christ, we need to do, continue to work. And I bet that there are some believers that, hey, we worked this hard. We came this much, but there are, I don't see much of difference. It's really disappointing. Do we need to continue to do this? And my answer is yes, until we die, until it comes. And it looks like very uh, unproductive. We don't see the result. We may not see the result in our lifetime, who knows. Um, this civil rights movement started from 50s and 60s. How many years passed since? Something like 50, 40 years at least. Oh no, isn't it more than that? 70, 80 years. And we haven't seen the much of progress yet. So some people get really disappointed and then, hey, throw the towel, I'm done. And I don't want to do it anymore. But please stick with us and continue to work. And sometimes I myself get really disappointed whenever I see something on the news that's just not again. And it's just so heartbreaking and it's just an exhausting work. But I think that we need to continue on as believers. We need to make our life, we need to make our world better place to live and better life. Otherwise, we, are just, we succumb to the evil forces. So that's how I see. And um, I believe that that's the direction that our church should go. revisit our monthly theme, Racism 101. Racism has been prominent not only in the past, but even in our present society. In America, 
Many immigrants have shared the familiar struggles that were heard in this episode. It saddens me to say that these stories are not uncommon. Many immigrants face discrimination for their backgrounds, which leads to a lack of them in certain positions and not receiving the same opportunities as people born in America. Xenophobia and racism are still prevalent in today's society and it affects so many people. It is up to us as God's people to remind those with hate and prejudice that all of us are God's children. No matter our skin color, ethnicity, cultural background, we are all one and the same.